0: Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. You're also Kate, to like to debate the merits of all that they've seen: comedy, genre,
1: reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse. Let's look at the show. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel. Uh, how's it going this week? And when I say how's it going, I mean are you excited or uh envious or just like completely filled with uh, uh regret that you are not joining me in San Diego for the craziness that is comic con. Like you just are dying to be surrounded by a hundred thousand people, right? That like I feel like I know you at this point. We've been doing this long enough. That's totally your jam, yeah?
2: it is so my jam it is my space jam it's my nba jam it's my (laughs) jam and jelly yes yes no i'm i'm not excited but i'm excited for you to go get san diego sun and be really close to like earthquakes not that i can say anything because there was an (laughs) earthquake yes this morning in the pacific northwest which is great so yay have fun i'll be here i'll be going to tacoma pride which is exciting so that
1: is exciting tacoma has
2: its pride very late for some reason i don't know why
1: yeah that's there were a few of them that are in july which i don't i mean i'm sure there's a very good reason for that i just don't i don't know but um yeah yeah i imagine in tacoma's
2: case it all has to do with the fact screw you seattle we're cool (laughs) too (laughs) <laughs> but please come to our pride. Please come to our pride.
0: Too. Yeah. It is
2: very small, but please come to our pride.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for um for for Comic-Con this year, uh my sister and I, a uh, friend of the show, Maggie Kulzik, will be joining us for our Comic-Con preview at the end of the podcast. Uh we have our brunch game just down like at this point, we've sure. been going enough. To, we, like, that's an important element for us. Do they
2: just know you at the brunch place that you guys go to?
1: No, but because oh. we, go, we have several, and we go to oh, them okay. on different days. We know, okay. we, like, we know where there's a good creperie that's, like, a little further out from downtown. There's this one place we go where we get uh cinnamon roll and bacon pancakes, which are delicious. And this other place, this Mediterranean place, Does which has good. insane bread pudding, um breakfast mm-hmm. bread pudding thing, right? Like... We have it down, but what we've decided we need to step up this this year is our day and evening drinking because we've been mostly sober for most of our Comic-Cons and, you know, maybe it's time to change that. I would not be
2: able to get through Comic-Con being mostly sober. (laughs) I would either need all the Xanax Uh or all the gin.
1: Okay. (laughs) I imagine it's probably not good to mix those.
2: No, no, no. That's why I said or. I did or, not say okay, and. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well and, and of course next week I will be recording from Comic-Con and so listeners just prepare right now for the helicopters that are always circling in my go-to record place, which is my go-to record place because no one's there and it's shaded and uh there's there's internet. So yeah, that's why I have to be there, but there's always helicopters. Uh it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time this year, I think, and Mostly, I just can't wait to get to the TV Universe panel for reasons that we, we we will elaborate on in a little bit. Um, some some TV news this week. We have uh, heard that FX Plus is closing down. They're, they're not going to keep doing FX Plus because they're pretty much going to roll FX now that they're all owned by one corporate overlord that's going to become part of Disney Plus.
2: Yeah, that seems like the most likely thing for it to happen. I mean, the big thing with the FX Plus was the fact that you could watch The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And Disney's been very... Aggressive about letting you know that they are the new home of the Simpsons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just all going to be on Disney Plus. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some like crossover with the FX Plus stuff showing up on Hulu as well. Um, but Hulu's sort of the big question mark in Disney's streaming. Organization that it's not really quite clear where that's going to land yet. Um, that to me is the more interesting question than anything else. Disney's got cooking is what are they doing with Hulu? Even though they don't own it outright, they pretty much own all of it at this point, just mm-hmm. not all of it, all of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Well You know, and FX always has a really big presence at Comic Con. They always have like uh-huh. the big displays, and they when they're first pushing FX Plus, they're like handing out free month memberships and stuff. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if there's any like Disney's for that. not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not how Disney rolls. Um, but yeah, so so that it was certainly something that was piquing my interest with all these different shows coming down off of Netflix. Like Friends is is coming down. Some of these other shows too. Um, seeing what happens next as in our ongoing saga of the streaming wars. Um, there was some drama that leaked out about uh, Big Little Lies this week, where the director for season two, uh, Andrew Arnold. Apparently, basically, had the show taken away from her after they filmed everything, and the show, the the producers of, or the people, people in charge at HBO, basically handed the show back to Mark Jean-Marc Valet who directed season one, and he was like, "What's gonna we're gonna d, Andrea Arnold, this and just make it match season one," um, which is yeah, season two looks like season one, and uh, the idea that they were originally going for a completely different aesthetic that was much more, um, Arnold's vision. Uh, at least and that's what everybody thought they had agreed to um that is not present in season two I didn't know that that was supposed to be the case and yeah that has not been the case so that's shitty
2: yeah I mean I saw some people defending this to a degree of like no, you got hired to work on a television show directors are always subservient to the writer producer to which I go, then why did you hire an auteur if you were just going to hand it back to your season one auteur because they were too busy shooting your other HBO show, or Objects season two? Um, it's like, but then you just hire a solid yeoman director to give you the coverage, and then you just do it in the editing. I mean, it's real weird to me that this is something that happened, that this is something that is acceptable on any particular level. And, I mean, they let her hire a new director of photography, which is key, Mm -hmm. key to a television's aesthetic. Like, you can talk about the writer-producer, you can talk about the directors, but... The director of photography or cinematography, depending on however you want to splice that for the show, is really vital to a show's overall stylistic consistency. It's why Hannibal, despite having a really good stable of rotating directors, has a unified voice. And that's because of James Hawkinson. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you allowed this woman to bring in a new director of photography and a whole new crew to do this show just to go, yeah, but we wanted to look like that one is like... (laughs) I don't understand that. Just hire James Whitmore Jr. then if you want a really well competently shot show that you can then make artier. I mean, James Whitmore Jr. is a yeoman director. He'll do what you would tell him to do when he's very good at it.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and apparently the scuttlebutt is that She was hired with the understanding that she was going to be allowed to do her own thing. And for a network like HBO that so strongly tries to brand itself as being artistically driven and really supporting its creatives and not interfering, that is a... Big shift from yeah, uh, yeah. what, yeah, what, it's what huge. they, how they usually paint themselves, at least. So, yeah, and there's no way the actors didn't know. Like the the, the big name actors who are the producers and create, like, yeah, Kevin and Witherspoon are executive producers on this. Yes, yeah. So this is <laughs> not just no big bad HBO. This is yeah. a bigger thing than that.
2: There's no way unless I feel like there's no way that they get a season three from these people unless they've already signed contracts committing them to the third season, because I have to imagine at least Witherspoon especially is probably pissed.
1: Mm, Yeah, (laughs) at least that this got out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other news that is not news to some of you guys, but is news to me because I missed it, uh, is that Steven Universe the movie, which is of course there's going to be a panel at Comic Con. We'll talk about that later in the Comic Con preview. Um, there, there's gonna, there's a new poster out that's like a pre Comic Con poster, and Steven has a neck.
2: What? <gasps> yeah, well, it does take place two years in the future, but Steven does have a neck.
1: It's a it was very dramatic, um, but and and you know there's some he's got a new look, um, but it uh, then there's some new developments and you can tell from those just like little Easter eggs sort of in the background of the shot. But for, the more exciting news for me that I had somehow missed is that this is the movie's going to be a musical. I didn't know the movie was going to be a musical, and in Steven Universe, obviously music is a huge part of the show. But I have not come to expect that their big moments will necessarily be musical in nature. Some of them are, but not all of them. And so uh, I'm extra super duper excited about that. And they're going to have, I think, songs from a bunch of the cast, including Patti Lapone, which is very exciting, Um, and also Chance the Rapper. Uh, So I I thought that was kind of (laughs) cool. And I don't know if he'll be singing or not. But that's, of course, very significant, because thus far, all of the voice actors... And all the music and everything that has been sung uh, or, or rapped on the show has been by Stephen or Tom Sharpling or the Humans, right? Or and all the gems and other worldly characters have been female or non-binary. And so maybe he's gonna like so. Like the music has all been characters in the show. So maybe he's gonna be a character on the show. It'll be a yeah. human character, I would think. I don't know. I'm very intrigued by what this means. Or maybe he's just yeah. writing some music, but he's not going to be performing it. I'm Amy Mann, I think, is doing some music, too. It's, right. There's a bunch of really interesting uh, performers, and I I just, like, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm way more excited for Comic-Con now than I was just, like, two days ago. Even when I was already excited, but now I'm even more, because you know there's going to be a trailer, and it's going to be so cool. Oh,
2: I'm excited about that Amy Mann music for this, because Amy Mann did the voice for
1: one of the fusions
2: yeah no she does amy man i think has the least amount of lines of any fusion Mm -hmm. um so she did um giant woman um
1: Mm -hmm. i don't remember the name of the fusions i apologize oh
2: i can't remember but she's cool yeah yeah no amy man's great i like amy man a lot um so um that should be exciting
1: yeah. Um We have some listener feedback this week uh, that we're both very excited about. First of all, we heard uh, on Twitter from one of our listeners, Jason Paul, who who is actually watching Queen Sugar. He says, my husband and I are a big Queen Sugar fans, so I always appreciate your discussions about the show. Longtime podcast fan, too. I agree with your takes on the season. The Nova stuff is a bit con- uh, contrived, but I'm enjoying the family fallout. I'm really glad that vi- uh, the Vi is given a juicy storyline with David Ellen Greer. There is a, at least one Queen Sugar listener and viewer in our listening audience, and that is super exciting for me. Like, it's depressingly exciting for me.
2: <laughs> we found two more, and it's just like, yes! Yes!
1: yes. Uh, we also heard from Vince uh, about uh, Cloak and Dagger, but before we get to that, an uh, important check-in on our Marvel thoughts. Have you seen Far From Home yet, Noel? Yes. Okay, Vince wants to know if I ended up watching, seeing Far From Home, and I did. uh, Did I, I actually really liked it. I, think, I feel like it got a little overhyped for me because people were talking about it was like the best thing since sliced bread and I thought it was just really good. I enjoyed it. Um, but Vince has say say, uh, compared to the trailers, I, he was way more excited for Far From Home than Endgame. Especially since the trailers painted this cute MJ Peter romance. I ended up watching it in English uh, in a medium-sized cinema room and had two American women in their early 20s sitting next to me who were both very excited. They shrieked several times during the movie and said something like, oh my god. And this is so genius, though. I'm I'm assuming the voice, something like that. You needed more vocal fry. Oh my god, this is so genius, though. It was equally obnoxious and endearing, which kind of sums up how most Europeans see Americans. Then again, it could be just I'm just getting old and losing touch with the young folks. So from this, I couldn't tell how he actually felt about the movie, other than I'm That's guessing true. that he did. He was he wanted more MJ and Peter stuff, and was was kind of lukewarm on it. I I actually really enjoyed it. I. Dug everything with Hall and Mysterio, and um, I like the visual flair. I like that one of their clear taking the reins, next chapter, next phase of the MCU movie um, was as uh, as visually experimental, and which is putting it too strong of a point on it. But compared yeah. to the other Marvel movies, they had some creative ideas that I thought was was really neat.
2: Yeah, I walked out telling my um, person that I was just like. I don't think I like this as much as the first one. And then I rated it the same on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. And I think what it ended up boil- boiling down to is I think Homecoming is really, really good and is really deeply grounded, despite having a villain that flies. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because of Keaton. because he's Keaton just, is huge, yeah. He, he's huge in that movie. Um, whereas Hall brings such good Gyllenhaal energy <laughs> to this movie that it's hard not to go, oh, this is very good. Um, but this one also has like a take to offer, a perspective to offer, and both like political, but also meta in terms of about being about the MCU in a lot of ways. I feel like, um, so I think that that's what it boils down to. Is I think that Homecoming is a very grounded, very good overall movie. But I just like what they do with Mysterio here, who's like one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. And then did this whole take about deep fakes and fake news and all this sort of concept stuff here that it's just like, this is this is this is well tailored, even if some of the action scenes are really, really boring. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, that, yeah. Yes, I agree. Um, I, I think I still I think I like Homecoming more. Yeah, because I mean, just there's nothing in this new one that compares to me uh, with the scene in the car. Right. Front.
2: No. There's nothing in the scene with the car. There's also nothing with like Peter trapped in that warehouse, which is just so good and pure. Yeah. Um. This. There's just too much action stuff here, and they apparently cut a lot of the more mundane stuff. So,
1: which that is Spider-Man. So I don't. Yeah. Know it is. Yeah. It is. Anyways, but I had I had a grand old time. Really enjoyed myself, yeah. and I am. I have no idea what comes next. I was very shocked by the mid-credit scene. So uh, we'll see that was
2: so good. what comes next. Both
1: of them were good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Vince also reached out about Cloak and Dagger and says he was very surprised that, that we ended up liking it as much as we did, more than he did. Uh, but he said, maybe it's because you binged it and I watched it week to week. And I think that I really think that is the difference. Yes. Because um, he got sick of the the lower dimension, um, getting there and bribing the gatekeeper and going back and forth to the mall got boring. And the record store worked great as visualization. But in the end, we spent too much time there. Um, he liked the much more the different, like, going into the hopes and fears thing from season one more than the lower dimension from season two. Which, fair enough, fair enough. I like the consistency. It's like, it sounds like for the exact reasons he preferred the season one stuff, I preferred the season two stuff. So she's yeah, different. Yeah. 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 Um, obviously, I was also frustrated with how little role Evita played. Um, and absolutely agree there. They cut back so much on her time that she could basically be anyone. They could have just let her aunt be on the helping team. Um, as spoiler removed, but you can see it in the comment, uh, at the website that didn't really resonate her big moment. Uh, whatever effect that story arc had, it's been all set up in season one, and series, season two barely had anything to remind us of how important that character was. Um, and i don't see her in the season 3 if they have one yeah i don't think she'll be in season 3 and that's a shame yeah it yeah. is it's wrong um, So I do come around slowly to the idea of Tandy and Tyrone as a romantic couple, as hinted in the choice of the waffles at the end, Um, even though I don't need it. And I really love having them both go closer as friends, and become their most trusted other person. I just hope they don't go into soap opera territory with Tandy's warranted trust issues and how the importance Tyrone has for her as a confident friend and partner in crime translates to them being like literal significant others. If it's well done, it could be extremely interesting and have me sta- I love this. Have me standing next to the track hyping the ship train. That's a great way to put that. <laughs> um, but it could also be an overtly uh, dramatic mess of misunderstandings, bad communication and worse tropes than that. The show did not give us any indication it would go down that road and the actress definitely can handle it. I'm just cautious because you know, freeform. Um that reminds me, I am bad at remembering stuff that used to be important to me. Did you guys watch Sweet Vicious back when it aired because even though that was hard to watch it was also freaking amazing yes we watched sweet vicious
2: yeah we did i miss sweet vicious a we lot. Miss it and I just, so much i hate mtv so much and yeah it's just they they did wrong by that show but it also came at like the worst possible time for mtv yeah since they they were starting to really aggressively shift away from scripted programming well, yeah. that kind of scripted programming, um, and I was also really sad when no one picked up Sweet Vicious because
1: oh, oh, it was this is so good. good, and it yeah. would just be
2: so even better now. Yeah, is the thing; yeah. it yeah. would just be so good. Well, uh, and like
1: one of the better like first seasons yes. that we've had in a while, and one and duns too. Like yeah. that is a, if you listeners, if you haven't seen Sweet Vicious. Go check it out. It's terrific. It's about two uh, college women who uh, they go uh, beat up and uh, uh, attack and expose sexual assaulters on campus and, um, Ish. While like, also like,
2: dealing with the moral implications of doing yeah. these things,
1: it's it's not just like a, a, a revenge fantasy. There are some other There's other elements in there, and uh, it's really interesting and and very well done. And uh, Jules and Ophelia uh, were some of my favorite characters when they were on TV, so I miss them very much. Is it was Ophelia, right? Because I know it was, it was it was Romeo and Juliet. Yeah,
2: I think it was Ophelia.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um. Any other thoughts on? The shipping, the Tandy and Tyrone.
2: Well, I mean, they are the divine pair, but they don't... They don't... Def- Prophecies are so vague, Kate. hmm They're just, by their nature, very vague. So, I mean, there's no way of knowing. Um, like, th- the Tandy-Tyrone relationship in the comics sort of enforces and transcends that kind of a romantic entanglement just because of... That they both physically need one another to survive, Um, Tyrone especially Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that there's just There's elements of like There's a romance but If the show decides to askew that And I don't think that just because they're on Freeform That it means that they'll veer into shipping um, Because Freeform has demonstrated a dedication To sort of dealing with different Sort of representations of relationships And I think that Of any of their shows Cloak and Dagger is primed for a deep, deep platonic relationship.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, And it's certainly, I could see how it could go horribly awry. Yes. I mean, if they even get to season three. But um, I could also see, like, from what we've seen so far, it seems like they're on firm ground there unless there's some sort of behind the scenes creative shakeup. Um, So I feel pretty confident about that element of the show with these current creatives. But who knows? First, it has to get a season three for them to bungle it. So we'll wait and and see what (laughs) happens. Um, Now we will get into, after this extended opening here but you know what uh thank you guys for for texting and or tweeting i should say and and writing in we love hearing from you guys um so uh, glad to have an extra long opening segment today at the like i said earlier at the end of the show we're going to have our comic-con preview next week we're doing stranger things so we're going to be like a week behind with that but that's because we have to have our comic-con preview this week we can't move comic-con alas um but so that'll be at the end of the show but before then we have our week in tv so let's take a break listen to a little music and we'll be right back with our week in tv That was Never Knew Love Like This Before by Stephanie Mills, featured memorably in this week's episode of Pose. Uh, this week in TV, we're going to talk about The Detour, The BJ, uh, which is episode four of the season, but just kind of check in on season four, how things are going. Then we'll talk a little bit about Grownish, strictly for my dot, dot, dot. Then we'll catch up with Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now that I am all caught up and we're at the same point in the series. This week's episode was Collision Course Part 1. Of course, I get caught up at a part one, but... That's okay. We'll talk about it next week, too, I'm sure. Then Klaus has Zaddy was a Rolling Stone, and we're going to round things out with Elementary Misunderstood. So first up is The Detour, and after this episode, I think I'm out. It's just bad. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's real bad. Um, And it's really frustrating, because the show legitimately knows that they're just kind of ditching the premise, that... Like, the entire episode tagged is about what kind of crazy hijinks can they get into next week type of thing. And pointing out that you're doing that isn't funny. Yeah. It just means that you're aware that you don't know what your show is anymore. And that's... Or you don't really care what your show is. Um, And it's increasingly just a show in which we watch Jason Jones and or his stunt double get hurt and that's just kind of boring and then there's all the other stuff that's going on particularly in this episode um that's just like yeah i think i think i'm done i think i'm tapping out
1: yeah well that that tag almost got me back because the kids are so great
2: <laughs> they're so good like yeah. they immediately just clicked right back into place and i just went I want to show about the two of you now.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, yes, we spend so much of this season so far just watching Jason Jones get beat up. But at the same time, it's just it's just such a paternalistic show. Like yes. really, really annoyingly so. And because um, because, yes, we watch him get beat up, but he's always right and yes. the show is just like this episode is an entire string of co- of things happening so that Jason Jones can be right and true and good and people shouldn't be giving him a hard time and yes the funny pratfall happens but the point of it is that women are crazy you know or whatever it is in this case Robin Evil Twin BJ but how like the the structure of the show I mean, and you're also. They're also. I'm like watching this. Being like, okay, we're also mocking anybody who's different. Like, I'm not laughing at the guy who's got the physical issues through being the guy tortured. who's had
2: all his his testosterone stolen and sold on the black
1: market, which then makes him a worthless lump of a man because you yes. have to have testosterone to be. I guess, have any sort of power or virility or strength or stand up for yourself or have a meaningful contribution. Like, it's just, it's just so toxic. And yeah. the, the, that thread has been there in the show for a long time, but it yeah. felt more balanced, especially when you had the kids there. It always felt more balanced. And, right. and, and really just isolating. The the, making Jason Jones, his character, the, the Nate, the center of this episode, and he has Natalie Z's there. And it's great to get her to see her getting to do all sorts of different things, right? That's wonderful. I really appreciate Natalie Z. But the character isn't there. So we spend limited time with Robin. The time we do spend with Robin, I greatly enjoy. The time we spent with BJ, I don't care about. I don't care about BJ. I don't care about that character. So your core for this entire episode is Nate. And the show is just so obsessed with him. The show loves him so much and just wants... It just... It's, it's, you know it reminds me of? It reminds me of Rio Bravo, which is a movie that I absolutely loved. Until I realized it was a very thinly, like, barely papered over metaphor for um, uh, being pro- the government, uh, and the, and pro the the blacklist and the and the the red scare and uh and 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 I was like, oh crap, I can't like chance anymore now that I realize that when feathers is like, I'm sorry for standing up for myself when you were going through all my stuff and gonna throw me out of here and like steal all my money and I should have just trusted you because you're a big strong man and I was like, darn it, this movie is so great, but the themes underneath it are horrible and I can't watch it the same way anymore. And that's really how I feel about the detour at this point.
2: Yeah, and first, I'm sorry Rio Bravo got ruined for you, but I'm glad you had a few good
1: years. Yeah with it. Well if it um, made me like Dean Martin. I never liked yeah. Dean. I mean and everybody loves Walter no. Brennan. I mean come on.
2: Agent and yeah, Dickens yeah, no, is super great. <laughs> yeah. No, no, like that's that's the movie where I actually like you, like Dean Martin. Yeah. Because I don't like Dean Martin very much. Yeah. And it's just like you're very good in this movie. This movie is
1: really well made and really terrible. Well, and so charming uh, and fun. And like and, yeah. it's, uh, and then you just, like, when you realize, oh, that's what they're saying. Son of a bitch. Well, yeah. I'll go watch High Noon again, which is also great, but just not as fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> then this has been Kate's John Wayne Corner.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, Gary Cooper. And yeah. great music. Uh, great Westerns with mu- music. Musics with great west. Westerns with great music, corner.
2: Music's with the great westerns. Yes,
1: that. That's the thing.
2: <laughs> oh dear, we should just stop okay,
1: recording okay. now. Okay. But no, back to the um, detour.
2: <laughs> back to the detour. We took a detour from the detour. Yeah. Because um, we don't want to yeah, talk no, about everyth- it. Yeah, we don't want to talk about it. But everything about what you've said has been really spot on. It's it's aggressively wanting to needle sort of... Well, A, it's like deeply paternalistic, but it's also there's just this weird needling of like political correctness as well like Mm -hmm. in the scene with the stripper um joint of like all right i appreciate a good pod saves america lampoon oh yeah that's fine that i'm okay with but it feels like when you're framing it the way that they end up framing it by they were like contract caterers so they really know what was going on and then they're using um whatchamacallit um alternative pronouns Mm -hmm. over the course of the podcast it's just like feel like we're we're making a statement about something. I don't know what it is, and I feel like you're just trying to be hyper specific in mocking Pod Save America. But at the same time it doesn't feel like you are Well and it's not so, the first
1: time they've done things like no, it is m- not. mocking gender pronouns and, and mocking like people saying like don't be a dick to me, you know, like for being too sensitive and Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, all of this is here, and the paternalistic stuff is definitely something that was ramping up real hardcore in season three. Mm -hmm. And it's just carrying over right now. And it's just, it's boring, and it's not funny, and they wasted shoals from Angie Tribeca. Mm -hmm. That's just the greatest in this episode commits. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of really funny, talented people. I just wish the show was better. I wish the I wish the writing was better. Yeah. So yeah. <sighs> yep. I'm done. You're done. Yep, I'm done. I'll delete okay. the the D V R thing or also keep watching it just out of <laughs> completionism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um over on Grownish uh, I, I enjoyed this episode a bit more. I haven't been as connected with this season, but I did. I was more interested intellectually, at least in this episode, uh, strictly for my dot, dot, dot. Um, of course, because it's a, a discussion around um, appropriation and it's really centering on Vivek and discussions among the black male characters as to whether he is appropriating black culture in a way that is offensive or if uh, he's just being himself and there just are things that line up with black culture, especially because that is his friend group is you know he's living in the black dorm and that his friend group is mostly black and so the, the conversations around it I thought were really interesting there was a fun bit of overlap of course with that scene with Klaus this week um which was was an, uh, just a fun parallel an interesting parallel in TV viewing and so I, while I wasn't as interested or it wasn't laughing as much in this episode um and I haven't been really this season I did uh, appreciate the conversation and the 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 discussion. More than I have in some of the, the some of the other episodes this season. Certainly more than any of the interpersonal drama.
2: Right. Yeah, this episode feels like a... I like this episode a lot as well. I like the conversation that it has, and I like the engagement. Um, and I like the fact that they centered an episode around Vivek without actually being about Vivek in a lot of ways, since his perspective and his input in this episode is severely limited, um, which is a really weird thing because it's basically boils down to a short four lines of dialogue right at the end. Whereas the rest of it is very absent, which I think is interesting, but also would have been helpful to have as like a fuller discourse type of thing. Um, but I, I do think that it just feels like a real overcorrective. Of this season in particular and the more recent run of really personal driven stories and character drama related stories that have, like you said, not been the most engaging, not been the most interesting, or not been the most, not been the funniest. Um, I mean, it's, it's really weird where Dion Cole, who hasn't shown up in weeks, shows up for the tag here (laughs) and you're like, oh, right. Dan Cole's on this show. Right. He <laughs> is on this show. It just, it very much felt like we, we got too far away from ourselves, which is something that they've kind of acknowledged. Like the refinery 29 did an interview, I think with the executive producers or one of the writers to this episode. And they sort of acknowledge that it's just like, whenever we feel ourselves drifting too far from what Kenya Barris's sort of original concept for this show was, we veer back to it. We try to veer back to it. And it's just like, you did a real good job this season. for Not this season, for this episode. Like, it's very... It's almost like a West Wing episode where everyone's got talking points. <laughs> and we're going to present those talking points. So I liked that. Um, well, I didn't like that. But it's just... It's a weird sort of, like, tonal swerve that this episode makes. But I also like how... The episode balances the discussion of cultural appropriation with the Zoe subplot that first Zoe's deeply stupid,
1: <laughs> which is, yeah, that's on point for her. Yeah.
2: Um, the degree to which Zoe does not ask her client what she wants is how have you not learned this basic fact yet? um at all um especially given the desire the desire to sort of shift gears from designer to something else asking people what they want is kind of what that what this new gear for you is um but then to have the discussion be as soon as like as soon as the person that zoe was trying to dress for prom was like yeah no it's fine i just went that person wants a suit. <laughs> and guess what? I was right. Mm-hmm. So there's this discussion of cultural appropriation happening with Vivek and everyone else. And then there's this discussion about identity that's happening separately, but parallel to this and presented it in a much simpler format, which I find interesting, but also laudable to a certain degree of like, this is this is a very clear line we're drawing here. This is a construct. But we're but what about like this construct where we have a number of like cultural or societal sort of backstory and present day struggles to grapple with this idea of what appropriation is? And I think that the balance of that is good, but there's the lack of overall engagement that happens is a problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did
2: you pick up on this as well as like a parallel sort of thing or? Yeah, no, it's definitely just
1: yeah. what they're okay. exploring. And, and I liked that there was a, that thematic connection between the A plot and the, the C plot. There isn't really a B plot. Um, and, and, I <laughs> like the the little touches we get of where she's getting these clothes from I thought were yes. great. <laughs> um, and like the Let's ah, hope okay. Luca
2: doesn't notice.
1: Yeah, and let's hope Luca doesn't notice and also this dress is not okay. This Cher wore this dress. <laughs> this dress is more than okay. I think it was Cher. It was someone. Um yeah, I, I was appreciating that thread. And frankly, I was just glad to get a break from Nomi and her teacher and from some of the other things that have been going on. Um but I would like more of a like, I would like an actual arc for Vivek where we actually get to know yes. him. Yes. I feel like we're way overdue on that. I feel like we've had that for most of the characters at this point and except for him. Yeah. So so I mean he's definitely overdue and this is very much an episode peripheral to him and not actually diving into him and that um that actually makes sense. The way that the the episode is structured, because it's not, it's about what he represents and what he means to other people. And as soon as they actually talk to him, right, as soon as they're honest with him and have a a conversation, and they, you know, discuss and think about stuff, the the issue sort of, Dissolves itself because they're honest and they're friends and supportive of each other. Um, but it just it felt so <laughs> genuine when they're all they're like, well, then why don't you tell them? And then he's like, oh, uh, and like, oh, uh, nothing. We were just going to talk. We we, we were going to talk about you a bunch and not actually talk to you because we're cowards. <laughs> um, that felt very, very real um, for that's more a high school thing, but also a college thing. So, yeah, yeah. that.
2: It's a thirty-something thing. Let's be. It's real a, it's a human here. thing.
1: It's a human yeah. thing until you get to the zero fucks to give stage, um, yes. whatever age you are. Um. So yeah, it's, I'm being long-winded, but I I enjoyed this episode. Uh. It was a good change of course. Like you like you were talking about the writers discussing and um, yeah. There are some other things, some tweaks I would have liked, or you know, I think they could have gotten into more some more of the stuff. But I really and I also really appreciated that like them calling Naomi out on some stuff, too. You know, it was good. Yeah. So I look forward to you know, maybe some more episodes, you know, uh, le- more like this in the next, like, chunk of the, of the season. If, if this was an intentional corrective, you know, to their course, I look forward to what's coming next.
2: Yeah, hopefully. We'll see if they can just fine-tune things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, next up is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Collision Course, Part 1. And let's talk... Season six.
2: Fitzsimmons are going to destroy the world. Yeah, I mean. By
1: accident. They'll fix it. Right. (laughs) You know, I I appreciated how useless they were. Um, Like, I'm sure it's perfectly fine. (laughs) This thing that's super out of character that you're commenting on. I'm not going to follow up on it until you're dead. Um, So I, I was enjoying the Fitzsimmons part of it. I liked the, I thought they handled portraying the two sides of um, the discussion pretty well of, of like, who's the bad guy, you know, um, and there was a decent fake out with that, uh, at least a uh, decent enough that you can buy if it's getting on board, at least temporarily with our villain. Um, I do think they are going to need to really earn whatever payoff they have in mind for Coulson, Sarge, whatever. And yeah, and um, they I mean, by having... The, I, I just assumed they were going to not kill that guard, but knock him out. So by killing that guard, I feel like that puts a hard line with our anti-heroes, I guess, for this season. That is um, interesting. That's like That felt like a choice. So I'm guessing there's some sort of third way that's going to pop up as the answer. Were they're both kind of bad guys? I don't know. Uh, I But I, I'm certainly I'm enjoying this part of it. And they're they've again, the shield has found its lane. You know, it's sort of campy B movie lane uh, with some good character, you know, fun little moments. Um, and I'm actually intrigued about what's going to happen next. So that's where I'm at with it. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm generally really enjoying this season. I'm glad the band's getting back together, hopefully, mm-hmm. that they're not going to get split apart again.
1: Yeah, this was a good amount uh, of time for them to be apart, and now it's time yes. for them to come back.
2: Yes, I want that very much to happen. Um, I enjoyed Yo-Yo's um, showdown with Jacko and um, Jacko and
1: what's his name? wrapped up in chains guy
2: yeah the twitchy one
1: yeah the twitchy one yeah twitchy
2: yeah. one and jacko jacko i think is the fire breather dragon guy <laughs> um but um all of that um was just like yeah you're real heavy and then still gets him in there just like <laughs> oh yo yo mm. i'm glad to see that you're your are you're dead space bat would-be boyfriend isn't hanging you up too
1: much yeah i that was a (laughs) nice little moment of performance that she was just sort of like tickled by that she was enjoying herself it was nice yes
2: yeah so no i'm ready for everyone to be back um i really like the i really appreciate especially um having also just watched stranger things how kind of grotesque the space bat crystallization process is it's super gross It's super gross and a little gorier than I would have anticipated for this show. But that kind of helps sell the fact that they're doing black kryptonite crystals or something. I don't know. But it's very good. It's very gross. And I really like it. Um, The Sarge, I'm like you. I'm waiting for a good Sarge stuff. Because he's veering too heavily into being too Coulson now. With the whole, oh no, I got you to reveal your powers thing. And it's just like, that's such a Coulson thing. That's a Coulson thing. That's not a Sarge thing. And I understand that genetically he's exactly the same.
1: Well, and I wouldn't be but... surprised if he's like taken out of the timeline because he said he's been alive for 150 years yeah. and he doesn't remember who he was. And like, I I would not be surprised by an eventual he is Col- Coulson the and like that fits right being yeah. also fits is like uh, leading to or what our eventual reveal will be for him.
2: Right, and then that on top of the fact that the Chromacons are, like, gearing up for something as well. Um, so there's some sort of timey-wimey stuff happening that's going to involve, probably... I think you're absolutely correct that Coulson is going to... A, Coulson is getting ripped from the timeline somehow. hmm Yeah. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. Um, I was having trouble with this episode um, with the... Just... <laughs> they're, they're like, okay, are you going to blow it now or are you going to blow it, like... Because, like, we, they're so close to a city. It's like, they would have to have, like, exploded the bomb, like, sh- bomb, like shot them and and sacrificed their agents to avoid destroying a city, like, a half an hour ago, you know? <laughs> like, two minutes here versus, like, two minutes closer is not going to make a difference when you have a bomb of 200 miles. So, I thought that was just very um, forced and, and not at all... Uh, interesting (laughs) that that, and uh it just they were trying way too hard with that Uh, i enjoy this new take on deke what do you think of this like very twitchy nerdy deke it's fine it's Um, very different than what they were doing towards the end of the last season yeah um
2: i think he's just had too much kombucha (laughs) and he's just he's kind of lost himself a little bit but i appreciate it sort of yeah his sort of general sort of exasperatedness with everything um, is amusing um Sequoia left me. <laughs> I can't believe I get ten percent of my company to this.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, was he, all like, he's such an idiot I, and she's gonna find out and and uh, and he's gonna be like hey, I still got my ten percent. I didn't tell her.
2: Yeah, no, so it's 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 fine. it's amusing. it's a good it is a good lane for him to be in, especially as everyone else is more serious now. Um, having that little bit of relief is helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the overall, it's just you know, it's just fun, and I don't have. I mean, the shows that I'm mostly keying into are the right now over the summer are the fun ones and Pose, (laughs) which is has its moments of fun and then its moments of heart, like wrenching, you know, gutting reality and pathos. Right, like but the ones that i'm connecting with are, are the ones that uh that have that balance right or at least can where you can really just sink into and enjoy that 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 element of the show and for like there's just like the perfect it's a really good summer show it's perfectly situated on the time like like a friday night over the summer if you're not going to go out to the movies i feel like this is they're doing it right
2: I mean, it's no Holy Moly, Kate.
1: It's no Holy Moly. Well, speaking of, is that what's up next? <laughs> no, because we didn't put it on the rundown. Yeah, but are we talking about... I watched Holy Moly, so I feel like yeah, we no, have let's, to talk about it.
2: Let's talk about Holy Moly. So, Kate, for our listeners who don't know, please tell us about Holy Moly.
1: Holy Moly is a obstacle course with... with uh, Put uh, put, and if it was a half hour show, I would enjoy the crap out of it. But it is an hour long show, and it like the, the, just the banter of Rob Riggle and the other person who's commentating would be enough to carry through with like the ridiculousness of the sets and everything would be enough to carry a twenty minute show and for me to actually really enjoy it. Uh, but that's not what this is. It's an hour. It's way too much. They don't you don't follow one set of putters all the way through obstacle course then i would be more invested as well but it's all these different disparate groups of people and i just don't i just don't care i want to care so much more than i do i cared way more about the clip of uh american ninja warrior of some woman doing the obstacle course in like a white and gold like bikini top and like uh like frilly kind of skirt thing and i was like girl power is very like um There's definitely some superhero who has that costume. Kind of a design thing. Uh, I cared way more about that than I did about this putting thing. And that's because that was five minutes. And this was 42 minutes of my life I will never get back. (sighs) Um, You watched watched like two and a half episodes. So you clearly are connecting with it much more than I am.
2: I think it's just really silly. Mm -hmm. Um, It is. But I do agree with you that structurally the show's a mess. Like... It's way too long. It can even be an hour, I think. Mm -hmm. But they need to readjust the fact that they start with, like, 12 people and winnow them down over the course of that hour. And some of them we don't even see until certain matchups. And that's exhausting.
1: Yeah. You can't possibly Um, keep track of who they are.
2: Yeah, no. And I know that they give everyone a little shtick so that you can keep track of who they are but at the same time it's just like but it doesn't it doesn't matter i'm not invested in them so cut this down to 4 and like a cut this down to like 5 or 6 really and you're golden and do kind of keep the same structure and do the three people at the finale still um but i just there's something charming about this whole what if we do wipeout but with golf
1: <laughs> uh, i did enjoy mentality. the windmill thing Oh, God, watching those people get
2: hit by a windmill is so deeply satisfying. <laughs> um, and also, but like you, the other thing that you say, and this is the most spot on thing, watching Rob Riggle with Joe um, t- Tussiturn, Tussiturn, um, who is a highly regarded... And deeply respected sports broadcaster for ABC and uh, ESPN. Like, this man is generally credited with single-handedly saving Monday Night Football for ESPN because of his announcing. <laughs> um, it's He's that well regarded. But he was also the co-host for the revised um, Battle with the Network Stars a couple of years ago. And just watching Rob Riddle try to break this guy is worth the hour-long price of admission to this show because he just keeps breaking, and it's so delightful because it's just so delightfully unscripted that you can't but help but enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate that. That's basically what gets me through these episodes is the interplay between the two of them. And then Rob Riggle on the screen of a putting robot, or a driving robot, I should say, talking smack to Stefan curry because he's no longer steph curry when he's the executive producer of a television show during the summer (laughs) no sir he is stephen curry um it's also very enjoyable but also the fact that they spend a lot of money on that robot so they're going to show it every episode is a mistake because Mm -hmm. it's not that
1: interesting (laughs) nope it is not um yeah so i will not be watching more
2: no. I will probably... I turn it on when I have nothing else to do. Okay, Because it's better than the other ABC game mm-hmm. show shows. Pressure Luck is really boring, Kate. I don't know if it was really boring in the 70s, but it's real boring now. And I'm glad Elizabeth Banks is getting that paycheck so she can make Pitch Perfect 4. Um, <laughs> but it's real boring. And Kate, I don't know if you've seen any trailers for Card Sharks, but... I don't know why you have hired Joel McHale and then don't let him be mean to people. That's yeah. his whole thing. That's, his, that's
1: sort of what he does. He's
2: very good at and it. And I watched like 10 minutes of Car Chucks because it was really boring and I didn't understand what the rules were. But he's clearly wanting to be mean to these two contestants and he's biting it back so hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like, but you let Alec Baldwin be mean to everyone on screen and off. You can let Joel McHale be mean to these two people.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even know that that was a show. That's how not connected I yeah. am with ABC right now. Yeah. Uh. Hmm. How do I pivot over? I'm also not that connected, I guess, with Claws. Yeah. I was trying to decide if I was going to go, but I'm more connected with Claws. Because no, I am but you're more not. than Holy Moly. But that's not saying very much. Uh, this week no. we had Zaddy was a Rolling Stone. And I'm torn. Because I think bringing back Jen's mom and connecting her up with uncle daddy is actually kind of brilliant and yes <laughs> very well done um and i look forward to what that's going to bring to everything but they've also dropped the parts of the show i'm most interested in the the stuff with uh dean and uh desna's dad was interesting for me yes and uh the rift like this creepy, possessive thing with Mac and Dean, I think is a more interesting flavor for that character than what we've gotten so far. I liked how quickly they figured that out. I was like, oh, please don't stretch out this Desna and her dad thing for... I I like that that was instantly resolved. But I don't care about Polly's creepy boyfriend. um, Though, again, I'm glad that she knows he's creepy. I don't care about... a lot. I mean, as soon as they get out, they pull him right back in, right? But... (laughs) Getting out of the casino and, like, sitting back from that and instead spending time with your characters, exploring this thing, you know, with with Jen's former flame that is the father, right, of one of their kids. Explore, exploring him outside of this context with Virginia that's clearly they're heading towards is more interesting. Um, exploring the struggle to actually have a rehab clinic, Instead of being pill pushers, which I don't buy that they're doing, but anyways, if that's what they're gonna do, I would like to linger in that a bit. That's more interesting. Um, getting seeing them get even just getting back to actually being nail techs, which is something that they're very, very good at. That they spent a lot of time in season one getting us invested in the fact that they are actually very good at this and that is an underappreciated art that I'm interested in. Quiet Anne not being pregnant but having a tumultuous relationship. That I'm invested in. But all this other stuff, I just don't care.
2: Yeah, and it feels like all of the other stuff is really starting to swallow things up. Mm-hmm. Um, the Love Stones aren't particularly interesting villains despite having good sticks, mm-hmm. having good sort of like weird, campy sort of medicine. Um, they just they're not offering a whole lot. And so much of this is really opaque and also but also so small is the other problem of We just don't want you in the casino.
1: Yeah, I don't. Okay. Like, is that it?
2: Yeah. And I mean, like, they've made gestures to, like, this whole thing about, well, no, we need to say the casino. But I understand that you want to make money and you want to be a boss. But this feels like a really, this feels really bizarre. And I know you don't want to be involved with Uncle Daddy and who can blame you. But this just seems really bizarre. And now you've got this very innocent bystander, your father, caught up in it now. And his reputation semi-ruined, probably. And it's just like, this this all feels like weird choices. And I know that they're trying to show the consequences of these choices. But the desire to maintain a connection to the casino just feels really manufactured and without a solid enough justification. At this point. And it's becoming a real problem. Um, especially when. So much like you said. Of some of the other stuff that's happening. Like with the Dean and the on stuff. Is actually really entertaining. And really interesting. Because it puts Dean in also a very different position. Than he's been in the entire show. And I really like that. And it gives Harold Perrineau A little bit more stuff to do. And play. And he continues to be just really really great. In this show it's just a lack of it's just a lack of justification really is I think what it boils down to is that I don't understand why we care, but they keep making decent moves. Like you said, by having um, Jen's mom come back is just so good and hooking her up with uncle daddy is really good. Having Virginia be real good at this rehabilitation type counseling stuff is also really deeply smart. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really like that. It's just, the A plot of everything is just not compelling and it's dragging, slowly dragging everything down. Um, and also like we mentioned off screen, but the, the, the mini music video that we get is not particularly good this, this episode. And it's really frustrating. It's very one note. It's not particularly compelling. And it made me really frustrated. This was also in the episode that Nisi, Nisi Nash directed, Mm -hmm. Because I'm just like, but I wanted to say good things, and I can't say anything good things, but also, this episode was just poorly written, too.
1: hmm Usually yeah. that's the kind of thing that they nail. And they really,
0: yeah. It's just a big whiff. Yeah,
1: whiffed hard. Yeah. This is disappointing. Um, well, we'll see what happens next. I was, I like you, I was like all excited to have lots of wonderful things to say about the Niecy Nash directed episode because I think it's great when you see the the stars get to actually explore their, you know, directing, especially someone like Niecy Nash who's been in the industry for so long. Um, so long. Yeah. yeah it's it's re- and hopefully she'll get more opportunities. Um, and hopefully the show. I don't know what to say because I still enjoy. I still watch. But I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we start talking about it less frequently just because I don't know what new to yeah. say. We'll see.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with
1: that. Yeah. Um, next up on our last show for our week in TV this week is Elementary Misunderstood. Um, so what did you think? I mean, I was glad we had a break from uh, Reichenbach. But what did you think of bringing back this this character who was like one of the ones who got away?
2: Right. No, I love that concept. Um, In part because it's a really good thing to bring back for your final season of like, all right, well, we can't get Moriarty. (laughs) because We can't get Natalie Dormer, but we can't get what is positioned as potentially the next best thing. Even within the context of the episode of like, if we don't steer um, this character in a good path, she's going to become Moriarty. Yeah. (laughs) Which is well underplayed as well. Like it's a conversation, but they don't overplay that as a threat because there's still time. Mm -hmm. um so mostly what i really loved though is that the thrust of this episode of a desire to form a connection is at its core what elementary has been about so doing this as sort of a whatchamacallit As a standalone episode, and having that be, like, your thematic push right before you enter the final, like, five episodes of the season or so. Of the series. Of the series, right, of the series. I think is really smart and really clever, and doing this with a consummate liar um, as well, I think is also really, really good. So, it was really nice to have Ali—and I'm going to butcher the name so you don't have (laughs) to— Um, Eon, Eonides? Okay. I O
1: A N N I D E S. Unites? I Ionides? I'm sorry, Ellie. You're very yeah. good.
2: <laughs> yes, you're very good. And I also really like your work on Into the Badlands. Yeah. Um, and you're very good in elementary. And so it's just, it's a really good turn. Uh, her scenes with Miller are really, really great. And also the whole baby formula thing is just like, chef's kiss perfect elementary plot of like we've been sitting on this one for a while guys (laughs) we finally found a way um so generally this episode i think is very good overall it's not groundbreaking it doesn't break the mold but it sort of underlines the show in a really good way of what it's about at its core. And I think that's why I really liked it and wanted to highlight it and talk about it a little
1: bit. But what did you think about it? Yeah, it was fun. And I, I do enjoy sort of this um, greatest hits idea
0: for their yes. last season.
1: Um, yeah. Especially when they're like, oh, well, we didn't have a plan for another season, we thought we were canceled. So what should we do <laughs> like so sort of like looking back over the series and who are people you'd like to see again that you, you can get and that will allow you to say something that fits in yes. like a final season theme and really you know connects you with your overall thesis statement for these characters and especially for two characters that have been adapted so many times and have, have the show has such a distinct perspective on you know compared to other adaptations of and interpretations of Sherlock Holmes and, and John or Joan Watson um, I think there was a smart choice it was interesting enough right you know it is no, it wasn't mind-blowing, but it was interesting enough. Um, there were enough twists that felt uh, in character and appropriate to the show and in the tone. Um, they like they had high enough stakes, but not too high of a stakes where it was exhausting. And um, I, I think they're also doing a good job this season of showing how self-sufficient uh, Joan and, and Sherlock are. While obviously still very much enjoying working together and being partners they don't feel like they have to have them together all the time. Joan can go do her thing. Uh Sherlock can do his thing. And they're very like, they aren't equals, but they're about as close to equals as Sherlock Holmes is ever going to get. And, and, and I really appreciate that. I think that that's been a fun element to the season to explore. I think they've also done a pretty good job balancing the cops, uh, Marcus and Gregson. Um, And, so yeah, I'm enjoying this final season and any of these episodes that don't have Reichenbach are going to be more interesting to me despite yeah. really enjoying that actor. It's just, I don't know. I find it just tiresome. So, yeah,
2: I mean, it's a little late for you guys to do a person of interest critique. Yeah. That should have happened a couple of seasons ago back when both you were both on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Cause that would have been fun watching two C, watching a CBS show critique another CBS show. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, the only other thing I'll say is, good God, Kate, how really ingenious was that carbon monoxide filled yoga ball? Yeah. Like, that's just scary good idea for killing someone.
1: Yeah. Well, and I love that they've been doing a little bit more of that recently as well. And like yes. those, just the fun of that. And, yes. you know, in an episode, I love when they, they do that. Where it's like, this would be a different show. This would be the whole episode. And we're going to yes. do that as our, you know, as our cold open. <laughs> yeah. It's just more fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah good stuff well what wins your week in tv
2: i think i'm actually going to give it to elementary this week um mm-hmm. just for the really solid thematic underline and the really good performance from ali sorry insert last name here um <laughs> <laughs> what about you
1: um hmm I'm not super inspired uh this week um i liked queen sugar it was but it's more uh-huh. like scenes than yeah. the whole um There was some good stuff in Jane, but I'm not as thrilled with the season overall. It's just sort of like a pleasant, fun experience, but not like it's not sticking with me in the same way. Um, I'll give some love to Drunk History just because. Okay, so um, it's Derek. Do you remember his last name? The guy who hosts. Yeah, uh, Derek, um... who hosts Drunk History, he no longer hosts all the segment uh, segments, and whether that's due to skil- filming schedules or his liver um, not wanting to die, he usually does like um, one or two, one out of the two or two out of the three. And so they've been bringing guest hosts. And this week's episode, Good Samaritans, they had Amber Ruffin as the guest <sighs> host. I know it's so good. <laughs> it's, very,
2: it's very, very good. Also, her her bit last season was so good too. Yeah,
1: yeah. So good as a host, good as a drunk narrator. I guarantee you, she would be good as a as a drunk as a story as a, a reenactor. Um, yes. But the, the the person that actually I was particularly impressed with was Zach Guilford, who was one of the reenactors who I would not have necessarily like been like. You know who they need to bring in? QB one. To uh, be, be your, your forest fighter, earnest good guy, but drunk reenactor. <laughs> and he did a great job. He was so good and super funny. And just, like, so perfect casting for, like, all-American hero, forest fighter, you know, gonna save... I saved 40 guys, but I lost five, and that's not a win. Like, it's... <laughs> He's got the chiseled jaw thing very much down, and he's it's he he does a good job with the physicality and it, the wink enough of a wink, not too much of a wink. Um, so that was I I enjoyed that segment particularly. Um, the other one was good too, but um, that was the one that stood out to me. So some love for drunk history, but I just don't know. Um, you
2: don't have to pick one.
1: I do you don't yeah i do i do um so i will give it to i will give it to maybe the finale of stranger things yeah sure i'll give it to the finale of stranger things more on that next week when we do our spotlight on stranger things and yes, because I watched that all this week as well. So that's what I will go with. If you show notes, you can find a post for this episode over at the televerse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can uh, find us at Apple Podcasts. It's still weird to say that with an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up on Stitcher. And of course, we are both on Twitter. I am at the televerse and Noel, you are?
2: At Noel RK. Thanks so much for a nice week, Kate.
1: Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Now we will go to our 2019 Comic-Con preview where Noel, myself, and friend of the show, my sister Maggie Kulczyk, will talk about all the different TV panels that are coming for those of you headed to San Diego Comic-Con or just observing it when, like, all the panels go up on YouTube, like, 20 minutes later. Uh, So we'll be right back. Suckers. (laughs) After, After this.
2: Show you worlds of fantasy. Be anyone you wanna be. You could be Batman
1: We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Colson, just as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, as you know, as our listeners know, I'm very excited. It is that time of year again. It is time for Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con International. Um, This is my fifth year, I think, or sixth year going. Um, And as always, I am joined by my lovely sister, who is... Joining us today, again, yet again, every year she does, thank you for coming on, uh, to help us preview, and then we'll also do a recap at the end, uh, our 2019 TV panel experience at Comic-Con. Welcome back to the podcast, Maggie Kalsick.
0: Hello, yes, Whoa. thank you for, oh, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me, excited to be here and to start another Comic-Con season. Yeah? Should be mm-hmm. fun. Should yes. be fun. Yeah, it will be. We are on a time
1: limit, listeners, um, and... You're welcome for Gentle that. Gentle
0: listeners. Gentle
1: listeners. Otherwise, I will go too long, as I always do, um, and Noel patiently puts up with. Um, so we're going to keep things to the point and rather brief for me, for us, um, with this year's preview. So what we're going to do is we're going to say the, what day, we'll go day by day. We'll say what time the panel is, what room it's in, the name of the panel, and if we have any thoughts, we'll keep it pretty brief. But the idea is to be in and out in 40 minutes. Actually, 30 minutes. 30, yeah. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) Come. Wish us luck. So without any further ado, the first TV panel of 2019 Comic-Con International in San Diego is of course the Wednesday night preview panel where they do a bunch of pilot screenings this year. Uh, That's in Ballroom 20 at 6 o'clock on Wednesday. It's the only panel happening anywhere, so I always see people lined up. You don't need to line up. Just show up, walk in. There's plenty of TVs. They will be screening pilots uh, for Batwoman and Pennyworth and then there's also going to be some 100 content, some Rooster Teeth stuff. Um, So yeah, maybe we'll dip and see batwoman
0: what do you think do i have a ticket for that thing
1: i hope so we'll see okay we'll see okay <laughs> next day, on thursday uh things kick off nice and early at uh, 10 a.m in room 25 abc with the 11th annual behind the music celebrating fan heard sounds and scores of sci-fi and fantasy television there's a bunch of, of composers who are going to be there they've you know there's a number of these music panels this year the thing that i'm excited about is there are no, hold on, hold on to your hat. There are multiple female composers. There are more what? than one. There's more than one female composer who is going to be on a panel at Comic Con. Like, at there the might same be like time? three or four <laughs> this year. I know, right? They said it couldn't be done. Um, but they're just being dicks. Anyways, excited to have a, a number of, of interesting composers. I'm not going to list them all. You can look it up online, guys. But that's uh, that's a particular highlight for me because I remember. For years, I would go and, and be like, where, where are the ladies? And get the different levels of responses from composers about that. Also, on Thursday, 11 a.m., at the San Diego Library, Jay and Jack are going to be doing their Lost Fans Unite, uh, like, their their live podcast, the Jay and Jack Lost podcast. Also at 11 a.m., Hollywood Game Changers, a conversation with the creative women behind popular films and TV projects. That's in 25 ABC. Um, that is going to have people from Game of Thrones, Better Call Saul, uh, Santa, Santa Clarita Diet, Watchmen, um, Space Jam, Scary Stories in the Dark, Unikitty, Bojack Horseman, and more. So... We'll see, you know, I'd probably, let's be honest, I'm probably going to still be having brunch at that point, but if you are less committed to brunch than we are, that might be a good panel for you. Also, Thursday at 11 o'clock, in room 29AB, Cyberverse Season 2, Sneak Peek. I didn't know there was a Season 1. Do you know what this show is, Noel?
2: I have zero idea. Okay. Oh, no, it's a Transformers
1: show. Okay, it's on Cartoon yeah. Network, I know that. Yeah, no. It's Transformers. It's Transformers Transformers. Network and Hasbro. There we go. Okay, so Thursday, 11 a.m. Thursday, 11.15 a.m. in the Indigo Indigo Ballroom. We'll have the sneak peek for season four of Van Helsing on Sci-Fi Channel. Cast and crew and all that will be there. At 11.30 in Ballroom 20, 7th Annual Musical Anatomy of a Superhero Film and TV Composer Panel. And again, at least one lady on the woo. Everybody gets one. There's actually two, because there's Pinar and Sherry. I'm very excited. So we're up to four so far for 2019 Comic-Con. I, like, I, I know I'm joking, listeners, but I am legit actually rather excited for that. Probably not excited enough to go. Uh, I've learned I shouldn't go to the composer panels. But I'm excited for other people to meet these composers. At 11.30 on Thursday in Room 24 ABC, we have Afrofuturism: Futurism, Black to the Future 2, The Revenge. This time it's personal. So there's a bunch of interesting talent who will be at that um, and with with uh, talent from the Boondocks and Underworld and um, the Orville and all sorts of different things. So that might be an interesting thing to check out. That certainly is the first one that is I'm a little more interested in so far. Um, So, Noel, why don't you take the next chunk? Right. So Thursday, still 12 p.m. in the San
2: Diego library, A Song of Fire and Ice Game of Thrones fan discussion! Woo! Because you haven't discussed it enough. <laughs> no, goodness You need to no. go discuss it some more. Yes. Um, also at 12 o'clock in room 28 DE is L- Entertainment is LGBTQ. So Boom Studios, which is the comic book publisher that uh, does a lot of the Cartoon Network um print type stuff, but also a number of other really good comics. And GLAD present an in-depth round table discussion around LGBTQ representation, presumably in comics. Um Thursday also at twelve PM in twenty-five ABC. Secrets from beyond behind the camera with film and TV's top creative. So you've got a bunch of um what looks like special effects. Folks? Yeah. Um, from shows like uh, What We Do in the Shadows uh, Workaholics, uh, Battle Wake uh, Preacher, Firefly, Man in High Castle, The Order um, Handmaid's Tale and a number of other folks there Um, then at 12.15 in Hall H it's the Batman Beyond 20th Anniversary presentation which should be fun hopefully, I would hope (laughs) <laughs> um, at twelve thirty, Batman Indigo, this year at Comic Con. Yeah, there's a lot of Batman this year. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of Batman last year, if I remember correctly, but there's also a lot of Batman this year. Uh, twelve thirty in Indigo. Uh, Netflix is having a panel discussion for the Order, which Kate and I have not watched yet. But some of the cast and crew will be there for folks to listen to. At 12.45 in B20 is the evil exclusive screening panel. So this is CBS's new uh, procedural from Robert and michelle king so the stars are going to be there along with the co uh, along with the kings so if you want to yell at them about kalinda and alicia this is your chance to do it at comic-con
1: don't be that person don't start with a comment not a question well no
2: start with a comment were they actually there in the same room together <laughs> and you're fine you're covered Uh, (laughs) Thursday at 1pm in 7AB You get the Stargate Command Uh, So it's the 15th anniversary of Stargate Atlantis Which is exciting for folks who watch Stargate Atlantis uh, more importantly, though, probably for the culture, <laughs> 145 in 6A is Spongebob's big birthday blowout. Yay! So voice actors like Tom Kinney and Clancy Brown and all your cores are going to be there, along with the executive producers, to celebrate Spongebob's birthday. And that's really fun and
1: really exciting. It's very exciting. Maggie, if you would back up from the mic and maybe give us a laugh
0: been a while oh oh it has been a while okay <clears throat> Let me, yeah Wait.
1: Okay, the, that's good. thank you you're welcome she that's, loves she loves spudgebob
2: that's really the first one's free spot on
1: yeah yeah oh, the first thanks. one's well, <laughs>
2: we'll, 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 we'll make the second one a patreon special <laughs> there we go <laughs> <laughs> um, so 145 Thursday in Indigo is Undone So from the folks behind Bojack Horseman is Undone Another uh, animated series About a young woman's complex journey To unlock her past and solve the mystery Of her father's death um, So uh, This fatal incident So the daughter is Searching for yeah. Um, a, one day at a time Until a f- near fatal incident Induces visions of her late father through persistent visions, he urges her to tap into the mysterious ability that allows her to travel through space and time with the hopes
1: of preventing his untimely death. What could Great go wrong? Great parenting there. Yeah. Awesome life choices from that father. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Next up, Maggie. Maggie, take it away. Um, So, on Thursday, 2 p.m. in room B20. Ballroom 20. Oh, my well, bad. How embarrassing. I did the same 20. thing. It's okay. <laughs> yeah uh the there's a nancy drew exclusive screening and panel at uh, 215 in room six bcf is dragon ball z 30th anniversary panel uh, yes I'm doing, I'm
2: doing my spirit my my spirit bomb yeah right <laughs> the crowd goes wild <sighs> okay.
0: all right um 3pm the <laughs> indigo ballroom emergence um the cast and the executive producers will present a first look at the pilot um followed by a discussion with uh, cast members. And uh, 3 p.m. in room 7AB, Farscape, the official 20th anniversary. Only 7AB. I'm surprised by Only that. that's a small that's room. Really? Yeah,
2: yeah that's, that's a, a small, small room, room, for, room this. for this. Oh, that's yeah. too bad.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh. Um. So at 3 p.m. at San Diego library, Sarah's channel, a very sci-fi beauty vlog, a Q&A with star Cla- Claudia O'Doherty? O'Doherty, yes. And creators. O'Doherty, yeah. So this she's Who she yeah it's like that. a sci-fi like beauty vlogger on YouTube. Okay, all right, you know I'm sure she, I'm sure she's like I'm sure she's really good. Um, uh, okay, three fifteen in room six de Teen Titans Go new episode premiere and Q and A. Let's say I haven't seen a lot of Teen Titans, so a little bit that I've seen of it. Um, it's been super fun. Yeah, people love it's that a fun at Comic show. Con. It does well every year. it's Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. And also uh, room three thirty hall H Marvel's Agents of of uh, Shield. Okay,
1: so then at 4 o'clock on Thursday still on Thursday, uh, room 11 of screenwriting, turn your idea into a screenplay and they'll going to have um, they've got Guggenheim from Arrow and a bunch of other writers there uh, to, to it's sort of like a workshop kind of a thing I think. Then at 4.15 in the Indigo Ballroom, Stumptown, which is the show I wouldn't care about except it's got Kobe Smulders playing a, yep. a, a PI and she's delightful and also oh, Michael Ely so maybe that yep. maybe that's worth checking out At 4.15 in room 6A adapting source material for film and TV, um, and again, you got producers from Walk- Fear the Walking Dead, Sleepy Hollow, Luke Cage, a bunch of different things um, talking about that. Then at 4.45 in Ballroom 20, Cobra Kai, Past, Present, and Future. People who watch that show on YouTube seem to really like it. I've not seen it, but enough people with good taste like it that maybe that's one to check out. At 4.45, however, at the same time, in Hall H, His Dark Materials is doing a panel in Q&A, and people will be there we don't care about them but
0: lynn well miranda is gonna be there and we Mm -hmm. care about that i just hope that they i really kind of like i really hope they don't like f it up yeah just like i hope i hope they don't f it up because it's a really amazing series like a book like the books are awesome i love them so much so we are invested in this one i hope i you know i just hope they don't f it up
1: Noel, are you invested in this one I am. I'm a big fan of the books as well. So mm-hmm, yeah. um, as someone who is disappointed by the movie, i oh the TV I show. will not see it. Yeah. Okay. I well, won't. we need to Anyways, move on. We're, we're on next. a time crunch. At the same time, a show I know is also very meaningful to a lot of people. Home Movies is having its 20th mm-hmm. anniversary reunion in Room 6 BCF. And then at 5.30, which is not at the same time, but is close enough to the same time that we won't be able to go to both. Uh, and the Indigo Ballroom is Superstore. So Maggie and I are going to have to duke it out about whether we do His Dark Materials Or we do Superstore, because Superstore's amazing. You've not seen it, Maggie. You would love it. You should watch it. And that panel's going to be amazing. You know it's going to be amazing. Uh, Lastly, for me, right now, we have at 545 in Room 60E, The Science of Star Trek, which is a panel they do every year. I've enjoyed it when I've sat in on it before, but this year I'll either be at Superstore or I'll be at His Dark Materials, so I won't be able to make it. Would we have to camp for the Hall Age for Probably. I I don't know. Uh, We'll uh, we'll, we'll 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 discuss off mic. Yeah. No, you're up.
2: Right, so rounding out Thursday, 6.30 in 24ABC, Crafty Apes in Space, visual effects for sci-fi. So this is, uh, Crafty Apes is the visual effects firm that handles the Star Trek Discovery and the Oroville, so they'll be there talking about their work specifically. Um, at 6.45 in an Indigo, Crank Anchors is back? Apparently. Uh, uh, and how they updated it for a digital driven audience. Uh, so they're gonna do like a behind the scenes sort of look at the reboot plus behind plus anecdotes about their an- anecdotes about their previous show. Um, at 7:30 pm in the Marriott Grand Ballroom 6, The anatomy of Chore- Chore- choreography. Action in film. I can't speak today. So fight <laughs> choreographers um, from Luke Cage, uh, from Twilight Saga, from China O'Brien, and a number of other folks, including uh, Mark DeCascos, Mark who, if you saw John Wick, per, uh, John Wick Chapter 3, he was zero, but he's also the chairman in Iron Chef America, which is how <laughs> probably a lot of American audiences know him. Um, so he'll be there as well. He's really, he's a very fun guy. Um, at 8 p.m. in 7AB, Batten the Sun, so the creators of Superpower Beatdown, uh, joined the cast and crew uh, to show a preview of their newest episodes, including Batman versus Black Panther. So I think this is, I assume this is a web series about who would win in a fight. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> it could
1: actually be that <laughs> actual show. So, yes.
2: yeah, yeah. And then finally, closing out the night at 8 o'clock in 25 ABC, The Psychology of Cult TV Shows, an annual review. So psychologists will come in along with a couple of actors to discuss cult shows. So that'll be fun. Uh, this includes um, cult shows like Supernatural, uh, Mythbusters, Flash, Beauty and the Beast. I'm assuming they mean the new one, but they should really mean the first one. <laughs> and um, a couple of authors and psychologist, Dr. Jaina Scarlet.
1: Okay.
0: okay. That rounds out Thursday. Right on to Friday. So on Friday at 10 a.m. in room six DE, Warner Archive celebrates V the, the original Manny series. Friday and then also at 10 a.m. at room 5AB, the 2019 Black Panel. 1015 and 6 BCF is DreamWorks, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, a Netflix original series. And at 1030, room 6A, Cartoon Network, First Look, um, where... They've uh, got people from, people from Creek. People from uh, Mau Mau, Pure Heart, uh, Heroes of Pure Heart, Diego Molano from Victor and Valentino.
1: Summer Camp Island, Neri, uh, The Fungies. Yeah, the the f- Fungies, so, okay. A bunch of different Cartoon Network shows.
0: Okay, and then at 11 o'clock in the Indigo Ballroom, Bless the Hearts, uh, Fox's new half-hour comedy bless the hearts is your uh it's about a southern family bless the oh Chris Wigg. yeah so i learned cool. about that expression from Null. bless your heart you hadn't heard that before i had heard it but i didn't realize how condescending it's intended oh. to oh oh is it supposed to be oh okay uh, yeah all right that's yeah. Cool. anyway no, it's so it's um, supposed to be
2: condescending
0: <laughs> that makes them that's fun um so anyway so that's a new show that's coming out and then um and 11 30 in b20 ballroom 20 um the world premiere for Hulu's veronica mars revival ooh mm-hmm. okay but who cares
2: about that because of what's happening in 6a
0: exactly but in 6a ducktales at eleven forty five. we're more excited tales. about ducktales yeah no. yeah
1: i mean veronica mars is great don't get me wrong marshmallows i'm not out to get you but ducktales is even better and i don't think tenet's gonna be there so maybe there's a chance we'll get in small chance <laughs> ah, will lin-manuel and miranda chance. be there I don't that's, know, that's a good that's question. That's true, yeah. that's a good question. That would mm-hmm. also affect things. But I want to just go, and Kate is going to be there, I know that. You know, that's enough of a reason for me to go. Okay, continuing on, I'm getting distracted. Friday at noon, Indigo Ballroom, Robot Chicken. So that starts there, set of, you know, Indigo on Friday always has a bunch of robot, uh, of Adult Swim. So Robot Chicken is at noon. Also at noon in the Horton Grand Theater, a fan celebration, Batman in animation. So they'll have Batman, uh animated series, Batman Begins, a bunch of different... Animated uh, Batman. Batman, going with it. Also at noon, in room nine, Costume Designers Guild, designing the DC streaming universe featuring Laura Jean Shannon. So they're going to have costume designers from all sorts of different uh, projects talking about how they work in uh, the DC streaming universe and superheroes and all of that good stuff. At noon, in the Grand 12 and 13, the Marriott Marquis San Diego Marina, entertaining science, the real, fake, and sometimes ridiculous ways science is used in film and TV, which could be fun. Because uh, certainly I am not camping for Hall H and their noon panel for Fear of the Walking Dead. It's going to be crazy over there. It always is for, for The Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead. Also at 1230, room 6DE, DC Superhero Girls' new episode premiere and Q&A. I didn't actually know this was a show. This is yep. like teen versions of Wonder Woman, Supergirl, and Batgirl um, doing their superhero thing while also handling high school. Yes.
2: <laughs> it's not the best show. It's okay.
1: Okay. Um, yeah.
2: So, uh, continuing Friday at 1 p.m. in Indigo, the adult swim continues with a Rick and Morty panel. Uh, also at 1 p.m. in room nine is Hollywood Location Scouts. So, location scouts from shows like The Shadow Hunters, uh, The Expanse, Game of Thrones, Avengers, Infinity War. So, TV and movie are all here to discuss their process. That should be fun and interesting. Location Scouting is an under discussed sort of, uh, art almost um at 1 p.m in ballroom 20 it's the steven universe panel up in ballroom
0: 20 promoted mm-hmm. as i mean obviously as, as as it, it should be but as as like it it's the first be. time yeah, yeah. they've moved up every year it was in the indigo yeah 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 yeah, yeah. there mm-hmm.
1: you go okay that's where we're gonna be mm-hmm. also other people who don't like steven universe and happiness and joy will be in hall h <laughs> Yeah, doing The Walking Dead because it's the exact opposite of Steven Universe. Yeah, which I mean, really. <laughs> yep. Really uh, is.
2: 1 p.m. at 32AB uh, is the character of music. So more composers. Um, this one doesn't look like it has a woman though. Womp womp. Um, will there be there to discuss and elaborate their creative process. Uh, 2 p.m. in Indigo, Adult Swim continues, and I'm assuming that there's going to be a good sneak peek of Gennady Taratovsky's forthcoming Primal, which is his latest animated series that has yet to premiere, I think. I think. Um, So 2 p.m. in the theater, in the Comic-Con Museum, we're going to get a conversation with Sonia Mazzano, who plays Maria on Sesame Street.
0: I bet that's I super that. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think she's like... I don't know a lot about her, but I think she has like a pretty deep, like interesting, life and backstory and things that she's done. That I think that that'd be cool. But I don't know what is this place? The it's 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 com- a new because they're making a Comic Con museum, uh-huh. a museum
1: about the history of Comic Con. So that's where that's gonna be.
0: Is it in the? Is it? In I don't the know. Thing, but or we or are on a like,
1: deadline. We Continue. have to keep going.
0: More on that later.
1: Two
2: fifteen in ballroom twenty. Entertainment Weekly. Brave warriors. So. Uh, Folks who fight evil or do battle with those who aren't that great will be there to discuss (laughs) battling evil. This includes Michael Emerson, Aidan Gillian, um, who is also evil sometimes. Yeah. Um, Cress Williams from Black Lightning will be there. So a number of really cool folks. And then what will probably be one of the hotter tickets is 2.15 in Hall H. Netflix is going to start rolling out The Witcher uh, promotion. So it is an adaptation of a very popular video game. And it's got Henry Cavill as the titular Witcher. And it looks
0: terrible. Oh, and it looks, yeah. okay. Yeah, it looks yeah. real bad. All real right. bad. Um, so at three, uh, so on Friday, three o'clock in, uh, Grand Hall, Grand, Grand 10 and 11, in Grand 10 and 11 and, uh, in Grand 10 and 11 is the classic versus current Dr. Who at three o'clock in the San Diego library, outlandish confle- confabulation Conf- and outlander fan panel. That might be fun. 315 in room six BCF, uh, legacy special video presentation and Q and a, and Ballroom 20, The Boys, Um, and that is a take on what happens when superheroes who are popular as celebrities, as influential as politicians, and as revered as gods, abuse their superpowers rather than using them for good.
2: Yeah, this is- Oh, is is that um, moderated
0: by Aisha Tyler, though? Yeah.
2: Oh, she's cool. Yeah, this is Amazon's version of Watchmen, sort of. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, Aisha Tyler. All right, uh-huh. so at 3:30 in Hall H is Netflix Netflix the Dark Crystal Age of Renaissance. Is that like Okay, and then 4 o'clock, no, Indigo Age Ballroom... Of resistance. Age of Resistance. Okay, my bad. Is that the dark, like, Jim <laughs> yeah. Henson's The Dark Crystal? Or are they, like, doing it's a, a new, new thing? It's a new, like, miniseries. It's a new miniseries? Okay. All right, then 4 o'clock in the Indigo Ballroom, Bob's Burgers. Always a delight. Uh, 4 o'clock in Room 25, ABC, Writing the Rules of Magic. With... A bunch people. of writers. <laughs> a lot of people. All right, and then in 436 BCF Pennyworth Special video, pres- video Presentation and Q&A. And then 430 at the Horton Grand Theater, the 10th anniversary of Parks and Recreation. Yay! But see, but, yeah, I was so excited, no, but it looks oh, like it's, it's just, like a fan-run thing. It's a fan-run thing, and none of the cast are going to be there.
1: Well, I mean, they might be, but, like, there's nobody listed, so I... I got very excited and then D excited. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay. Okay. Um, but that
2: fr- means you can just go to 6A.
1: Yeah, because that's actually one of the things I'm most excited about. On 445 Friday, on in room 6A, the Terror Infamy is going to have a panel. This is the, the second season of the Terror that Noel and I have been excited about since they just announced it. The one that's set in the internment camp. Um, with a ghost story, so that should be really, really interesting. Um mm-hmm. Friday, 4.45 in Ballroom 20, Carnival Row, which is, is... Is this Amazon Prime again? I
0: um, think so.
1: Victorian Fantasy. Yeah. Um Then at 5 o'clock in Indigo Ballroom, Archer. Exclusive sneak peek screening and Q&A. That panel's always a blast, but I care way more about the terror infamy, so I'm going to be trying to go to that. Then at 5 o'clock in 23 ABC, Costume Designers Guild, the Costumes of Science Fiction Television. So... Designers from Shield, uh, Deadly Class, The Orville, uh, The Mandalorian, um, will be you know going through and showing uh, some of their work and and how they come up with their designs. Um, then we have at five o'clock in twenty eight de the state of the industry animation superstars. So there's a bunch of creatives from prominent animated series talking about how they uh, like sort of taking an assessment of where animation's at right now. Which could be interesting. There's a lot of animation, lots of very different approaches and very popular approaches happening right now. Anyways, uh, Friday in at five thirty in Hall H is the Game of Thrones p- panel, and I put in our little notes thing here the who's going to be there because it's like all the cast. And I don't understand why HBO is paying to bring every like why the show's over. People were pissed about the ending. I I can only think that they're going to announce spinoff stuff. Yeah. I mean, I just, why? Anyways, at the same time, well, because people have Game of Thrones is why. But you, you, you get but, what I mean, listeners. You know, they're not usually they're promoting something new at Comic Con. But at 5:30 in room 60E, what just happened with Fred Savage? Uh, I remember back when I, before Fred Savage was accused of harassment and assault by two different costume people, I was much would have been much more excited about this. Anyways, this is the after show for a new sci-fi show. Um, so, and the Fox is going to have an after-show with Fred Savage. So they're going to talk about the the actual show, which is the Flare, and then the after-show with him. So that's what that one is. Um, at 5:45 in Room 6 BCF, first look at Shutter's Creep show. So that's going to be with Greg Nicotero and the, some of the cast. And then in Room 6A at 5:45 on Friday, we have The Rook season one, which I've heard very little about. That is positive. But hey, maybe you love it, and maybe they're going to turn around for season two. Yeah. So,
2: end of the run at on Friday, 6 p.m., Horton Grand Theater, Q&A with Nathan Fillion and Alexi Hawley, who's the showrunner for The Rookie. So if you want to talk about The Rookie some, this is where you're going to do that. 6 Fillion p.m. makes in for Boulder. a good
1: panel, though. He
2: does. He does. It's super true. Uh, 6 p.m. in Ballroom 20. TV Guide Magazine's Fan Favorites of 2019. So panelists include folks from *Fear the Walking Dead*, *Lucifer*, *Legends*, of *Tomorrow*, and maybe even some surprise ones. Ooh! Uh, s- ooh! 6:45 and 6DE is next with a all lowercase except for the X. Uh, this is the world premiere of Next, a propulsive fact-based thriller about the emergence of a deadly rogue artificial intelligence that combines pulse-pounding action with an examination of how technology is invading our lives and transforming us in ways we don't yet understand. Look for Andrew Yang to have a promo commercial during <laughs> that show. 7 p.m. on Friday in Hall H is the Preacher panel. Uh, 7 p.m. in 32AB is what we left behind, looking back at Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So This is so a documentary
1: the show- about DS9 Deep Space Yeah Yeah. So
2: the the showrunner is going to be there The filmmaker behind this documentary As well as a number of the cast members Will all be there for a discussion about it Um, The overlooked middle child of the series Um, 715 and 6A is Unboxing Pandora The new sci-fi TV series on the CW um, at 7.30 in Horton Grand Theater, Game of Thrones, more Reflection and the Future. This is a fan base panel, so enjoy listening to more Reddit theorizing. 8 p.m. <laughs> in 60E, Rooster Teeth is back with a special video presentation and a and a 8.30 p.m. in 5AB is Klingon Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I added of the Rich and Famous. And in 9.15... Closing out the night in 6DE is the Dr. Horrible sing along Blogin' karaoke party. <laughs> woot, woot. So tell me about Saturday
0: morning. All right, so it's Saturday at 10 a.m. in the Inigo Ballroom is Inf- Infinity Train. It's a, it's a long-awaited series from the Cartoon Network that's making its debut at Comic-Con. Um, and then at 10 o'clock, also in room 25 ABC, the future of the Dragon Prince saga. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, we're mixed on that one. We're mixed on that one? Okay. <laughs> 10 right, 1030 in Ballroom 20, Batman, pi- oh, ugh, excuse me, Batwoman pilot screening and Q&A. And then 11 o'clock in the Indigo Ballroom, histories all capitals, Project Blue Book. Um, at 11:30 in the Horton Grand Theater, Sesame Street's puppets live. Oh, that sounds super fun! But well, we let's... have to get
1: separate tickets for it. It's a whole thing. Okay, like, to wait but, in line. but I mean, we might make that happen. We yeah. might
0: like that sounds that sounds like different and fun. So it's 11:30 in Hall H. Enter the Star Trek Universe panel. It's a lot of the cast, and it is Margaret. Oh my goodness! It is moderated by Tignataro, so I mean that's worth going in and of itself.
1: No. I don't know um, if it's worth camping, but it's definitely worth.
0: Well, it. I mean, if you were going to be, if you want to go into Hall, Hall H, H, yeah, yeah, something to look forward to. Um, at twelve in Ballroom Twenty, The Simpsons. Um, are any of the cast going to be there? Uh, oh yeah, the
1: voice animators' voice. Oh, cool. Cast
0: yeah. All right, that, that'd be cool. Uh, uh, twelve o'clock in the Indigo Ballroom. NBC is a good place. I'm sure that's super fun last year. I'm sure it'll be great again. Also at 12 in room 23 ABC, Costume Designers Guild, Costume, Concept, Art of Television and Film. So see, the thing is,
1: like, they got all these co- composition panels. They got all, now, like, three different costume designers panels. Like, I, th- I need more specificity for what makes each one distinct. Otherwise, it feels like it's just the same panel with different people. So.
0: Like, have different focus points. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, like, I, it, might, it would be cool, but not if I had already seen the other ones, probably. Anyways. Um, Saturday at 12.30 in 6A. Scooby-Doo's 50th birthday bash. Then we have at the same time over in 24 ABC. Intro to TV writing from first draft to getting staffed. With a bunch of different TV writers on that. Then at 1 o'clock in bottom 20. American Dad. I don't care. other people do, and that's good for them. Um, 1 o'clock in Indigo Ballroom. Bless their
0: hearts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You have the Expanse, which I know, friend of the show, Clint, uh, where they should be very excited about. Uh, 1 o'clock in Grand 10 and 11, uh, Mary Marquis, San Diego Marina. Peggy Carter probably saves the world. Um, which does not have Peggy Carter herself, but has a bunch of other people who appreciate how awesome she is, which is lovely. Um and something worth celebrating. At one o'clock in room six, BCF, Cartoon Voices One. And of course on Sunday they'll have Cartoon Voices Two. Um at one fifteen in Hall H, Westworld three. So the panel for the upcoming season of Westworld, and then at one forty in ballroom twenty, Family Guy.
2: So, 2 p.m. Saturday, 23 ABC, Sid and Marty Croft um, are celebrating their 50th anniversary, and they are going to Comic-Con. That sounds nice. Yeah, uh, David Arquette be- and Greg Garcia are going to uh, moderate that panel. At are you puffing two, stuff fans out there? Yeah. Uh, 2 o'clock uh, p.m. and 7ab women rock women rocking hollywood 2019 women powered projects and the push towards parity so a number of female directors um from tv and film are going to be there including um well katherine hardwick's gonna be there that's cool yeah um, see if it's from uh, queen sugar Yep, also from McQueen Sugar. Um, yeah. Cheryl Dun- a, could,
1: Dun-y. Yeah, yeah, this whoa, is this actually is a really contingent. good panel. This is a really yeah. good panel.
2: This oh is goodness. a really good panel. I would go to this panel. You should what go to this panel. Gloria
1: Calderon is Kellett from One Day at a Time is going to be here. This is a very yeah. exciting panel. Yeah.
2: That's a very good panel. Um. Still Saturday, 2.30 in Ballroom 20 is the Orville. Twenty two thirty in 24 ABC, Invader Zim! Uh, yes! So this is going to be discussing, uh, celebrating four years of Invader Zim comics. So look forward to that. I also imagine that they'll discuss the television show, because how could you not? Um, 2.45 uh, p.m. and 68 CF. You should just go to this instead. Sydney Street's 50th anniversary panel. So yeah, a bunch of folks from the cast um, and the puppeteers are going to be there. So you should go to that. Um, <laughs>
0: Do if you think you, they're going to sing?
2: I would hope that they sing. Uh, 3 p.m. at Indigo. Uh, TBS is going to give its first look at Snowpiercer in 3 p at 3 p m in room 11 animated comedians team coco's comedy club so folks from conan o'brien um, will be there to uh, they developed an online comedy club for snapchat that sounds exciting uh 3 30 in ballroom 20 an arrow special video presentation and q a so because they don't want to give anything away for the crossover that's all you're gonna get <laughs> saturday at 3 30 26 a b design for tv and film so techniques to create creatures design props for various shows and movies will be under discussion. So, Maggie, take us home.
0: All right. Saturday, 4 o'clock, Hall H, Entertainment Weekly, Women Who Kick Ass, um, Haven't Been Able to Go to yet, but Always Sounds Like a Lot of Fun. At 4.15, Ballroom 20, Supergirl, sp- Special Video Presentation and Q&A. It's 4.15 in Room 6A, The Man in the High Castle. At 5 p.m. in Ballroom 20, Black Lightning Special Presentation and Q&A. 5 p.m. in the Inigo Ballroom, S-Y- (laughs) What? What? Oh. Sci-Fi. Oh. Oh, I started saying the letters. Well, sorry. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, so Sci-Fi and IDW, what's... Yeah, IDW and IDW Entertainment, Winona Earp, oh, and also sizing up their room appropriately too. Yeah, then that, was, that was no that was kill. a really great that was a really great panel last That time. panel's going to be wild. Yeah, it is <laughs> for um, many reasons. Yes. <laughs> so five thirty, in room six A, AMC's um, Nos. I'm going to help you with this. Nosferatu. Okay. Nosferatu. Okay, cool. Yeah. am um, at five thirty in room twenty six A B, diversity in writing, women writers and producers take charge in TV, animation, comics, game, online who's going to be there, Kate?
1: Uh, we're going to have people from uh, Marvel's but Avengers Black Panther quest. We're going to have people um, from Elena of Avalor, from Horizon Zero Dawn, DC su- Superhero Girls, uh, Amphibia. All, just a bunch of different people. Okay.
0: 53 in the Horton Grand Theater. Yeah, uh, 530. 530. Oh, yeah. And 530 in the Horton Grand Theater from Lieutenant Jim Dangle to Ronan Boyle, a, co- a discussion with Thomas... Lennon and 545 in Barroom 20, the Flash special video presentation and QA. Yeah,
1: Thomas Lennon has a new book that he's pushing. So that's probably what that's about, but it'll still be super fun because he's highly entertaining um saturday at six o'clock in indigo sci-fi is the magicians at six thirty 30 and 6 bcf what we do in the shadows screening and q a that will be funny um seven o'clock in 28 de how to self-publish and adapt comic books to film and tv that could be interesting and seven o'clock uh saturday in the indigo ballroom dc universe series sneak previews and q a so it's it's going to be about uh, titans doom patrol harley quinn young justice outsiders then at 7:30, room two, writing workshop with J. Michael Straczynski, of course the creator of many things, including Babylon 5. 7:45, six BCF, Brooklyn Nine Nine, nine nine. Yes. That's going to be, we're going to try to go to that. (laughs) I'm going to try to go to that. We're going to that, Ray Meg? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, (laughs) good. 8 o'clock on Saturday, Grand, 10, 11, Marriott Marquis, San Diego Marina, Fandom of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, The Beginning of the End, and then 8.30 in Room 8, Rod Serling's Night Gallery 50th Anniversary. Take us to Sunday, Noel.
2: So Sunday, 10:30 a.m., bright and early in room 6A, meet the Harvey Girls. So this is DreamWorks Animation, Harvey Girls Forever is back with a new season on Netflix. 10:30 Hall H, the main attraction of Comic Con for their final season, Supernatural special video presentation and Q and A. They will probably light it up.
1: It's, it's-, it's going to be their last Comic Con panel this so year. You know they're going to just pull oh, out the stops. They yeah. always crush it. Yeah.
0: That would be that'd be really. That's an all
1: nighter camper though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: because also more importantly than that, at eleven forty-five, <laughs> immediately after that is the Riverdale special video presentation. But we, we the room's all know, not going to clear at all. The room's definitely going to clear. Yeah. <laughs> the room's going to clear a good bit. Um, eleven forty-five, um, a.m. at six a's. Cartoon voices two. So folks from Venture Puss and Boots, Ben Ten, Star Wars Rebels, um, bunch of others are going to be there to talk about voicing cartoons uh 12 p.m and 29 ab star trek eyewitness an hour with the 1964 pilot director robert butler oh that sounds kind of fun um so yeah you'll go over the pilot Uh, the Um, the original star trek Trek series that's pretty cool uh, 12 p.m. and 6 B.C.F. is the world premiere of Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Oh, it's
1: happening!
2: They tease that at the end of the movie. It's finally happening. Right. I've been waiting for that for so long. Anyway, go on.
0: Now, so, uh, so 1 o'clock in room 7AB, Ghost Adventures Live. And also 1 o'clock in Hall H, Mayans, MC Discussion and Q&A. Also a 1 o'clock p.m., usually... We get margaritas. Yeah, we do. That's a highlight. That's not on the the official schedule, but like it's it's very important unofficial schedule. So, uh, three o'clock in room six de Buffy musical episode once more with feeling steering very clear from that this year. Yeah, that was a really that was bad last year. That was really awkward last year. Okay. Also at three o'clock in room twenty five ABC business of cartoon voices. And then all at 4 o'clock in room 7AB, behind the scenes with creatives and fan-favorite films and TV shows that has, who?
1: We got, some, we got the production designer for Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. We got production designer for Umbrella Academy and American Horror Story. Uh, make a department for uh, Black Panther and Star Trek Beyond. Uh, sound designer from Men in Black International and Baby Driver. And the ex, uh visual effects producer from Crafty Apes uh, who did, of course, Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Mid90s. So a bunch of technical things which would be interesting certainly to check out. So, because we are over time, yeah. Oh, to keep that's... this very snappy.
0: Awesome.
1: Noel, any panels that you would be excited about if you were going to san diego so many but we're over
2: time so i can't tell you about any of them okay pick three ah um well now you're gonna make me pick three um what would i go to i'd go to that star trek panel discussion i go to the um infant infamy mm-hmm. and i think i would also go to one that we didn't talk about which hot hi- which is higher further faster are we there yet which is about women in comics and women fans uh i know one of the panelists who's suzanne Ooh. scott she's over at ut austin she's got a really good doc ock from spider spiderverse costume that she's going to be doing there so i would also go to that
0: very nice mm. maggie very cool top three um i might i might do four i know so obviously steven universe going to go that far uh, for sure um, and then art in the Holocaust, going to go that for sure. Um, of course,
1: that's not a TV panel, but it's a really terrific panel for my show. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and then um, I'm super interested in the 50th anniversary of Sesame Street. And then also, I am not up. I'm not caught up on Supernatural. But being that that's the last panel they're ever going to do, I mean, I bet that's if you could be... teleport into that one and skip. The I line, mean, yeah, that's like that would be cool. Well, I, yeah, I'm just interested. To see, I bet they're going to do a lot of really cool stuff in there.
1: Yeah, the the experience in the room would be pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. So for me, Stephen Universe, and then also I would say probably Terror Infamy, and then any of the comedy ones, so Superstore or uh, Good Place would probably uh, nine nine any of those. Yeah. Mike Sure comedies would be good. I wish there was a One Day at a Time panel. I wish there was a Shit's Creek panel. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, oh. Right. I, it would I, be I be wish so there was a Shit's
0: Creek one. But I love not. that show so much. But there's lots of other Why wonderful isn't things there. Her? Discussion
1: for another time, okay? Because we're over time. So thank you. A, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. Thank you, Maggie, for coming back on the oh, podcast. Thank you for having me. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Adios.